Uh, part, part of my motivation with this, I, I've been processing this. I mean, I've been talking about this a lot around here, a whole lot around here for quite a bit of time. But I, specifically from the mindset that I just feel like we, we know these things. We know God is the healer. We know God is the provider. That's, that's, what God, that's what God's word says. Scripture tells us that he is those things. And it's not just what he does. It's actually who he is. It's his nature. It's, that, that's part of his name kind of thing. Okay? And then there's the side where I, where I see practically many of you would, would, would say this too, that we know what God says, but then it doesn't always seem to happen. And we see, we see, we see a disconnect between those two things. And, and for me personally, as the pastor, uh, in praying for all of us and trying to, to see God do some supernatural things, I've been processing this, that, I, that I, I just feel like we know in our minds what this is. We know in our minds that God can do anything. And, but then how it plays out practically, it seems like that, that uh, Satan just picks on us and that, that he seems to have um, just almost like the freedom to do that and to cause problems in our lives and and, uh, and we, we, get, we get beat up by these things and weighed down, and, and we really, we know God wants to, we know that, that God can, and then it doesn't seem to happen, and there's, there's a disconnect there. And I think one of the reasons is, is the way we think and process this. Uh, as Linda was saying earlier about the expectation of these girls that are praying in El Salvador, there's, there's a difference between having a desire and having an expectation, that, that there's, that having a desire is, and going to God is a faith thing. I've talked about that, that praying is a faith thing. Going to God is a faith thing. But I think there's, there's two ways to go to God. I think we can go to God with an expectation. God, you're, you're about to do this because that's who you are. It's, it's what you've said over and over in Scripture. Or, and this is, when I, this is what I see in my own life and I see with many of us um, here, is it's almost like we come up with all of the ways that God's not going to. It's, it's like we almost talk God out of it by the time we get to that point um, in praying. God, I, I know you can do this, but God, if you don't want to do this now, I guess. So, I mean, God, if it's your will, I mean, if you, if you think you could, God, and, and maybe today, or I mean, next week's good, Lord God, or maybe six months, and Lord, I just, just and we just kind of get to that place where is there really this, God, I know that you said this, there's no question, now let's do this this expectation kind of mentality. And so to, to help us process that this morning, um, so Mr. Frog's hopping through the woods. And um, he, uh, as he's hopping through the woods, a rock falls on top of him and traps him underneath the rock. He can't do anything about it. He can't move the rock. He is stuck under there. He's going to die underneath that rock. There's, he's completely powerless to accomplish anything here. He struggles, he struggles. He can't do anything within his own ability. You come walking by. And uh, you notice two frog lips sticking out from underneath the rock. And you, the frog says to you, can you take this rock off the top of me? And you reach down and you remove the rock. It's not a big deal to you. It doesn't tax you. It doesn't do anything. It takes a second out of your existence. Um, it's, it's no big deal. For the frog, this is an amazing supernatural moment. You literally saved his life. It is a miracle for the frog. There's nothing that the frog could have done to change the circumstances. But for you, it's not a miracle. It's not a big deal. It's just you just remove the rock. I really believe that that is the way that it is with us and God. For us, when God does things, they're supernatural. He suspends the laws of nature. He changes things. He changes physical things, financial things, relational things. He is a supernatural God, and he can do anything. And that is miracle for us, but it's not a miracle for him. 
It's just who he is. It's just him just being him. It doesn't take anything. It's just a split second of time. It doesn't tax him. It's not like the, the, the power of heaven is drained down while he's uh, stoking up the energy to make this happen. It's just who he is. He's just supernatural God. He does supernatural things. And somewhere for us, the transition in our mind goes from, um, God, can you or do you want to? Or just to know that God is this. We see in Psalms 103 where the Lord says that, that one of the benefits of serving him is that he heals all of our diseases. He says he forgives all of our sins, heals all of our diseases. And for some reason, we put those two things into separate categories. Forgiving all of our sins, no big deal. God can do it. It's his nature. It's his plan. It's his will. Healing us. Mm, we got to work on that. we got to pray that when it exists. we got to quote the right scriptures. God's got to be in the right mood. It's got to be his perfect plan at that moment to do all this kind of stuff. Except that's not what it says. It says his benefits to us is that he will forgive all of our sins, heal all of our diseases. Same thing, same subject, same mentality. No difference in the two. He'll forgive us. He'll heal us. Same thing. We see in, in 2 Peter where Peter says, by his stripes you are healed. The stripes. When are the stripes brought to Jesus? Isaiah 53 tells us ahead of time. His stripes, you're going to be healed. Peter says, by his stripes, you were healed. What are the stripes? That's the whipping that he took at the cross, the cuts, the stripes in his physical body. And then what we do is we say, now, Lord, I know that when you died on the cross, that your blood poured out, and that makes me right with God. Your blood pouring out at the cross is what will forgive me and make me right with God, and that is the spiritual redemption. I, am, I can uh, go to heaven because of that. But the actual thing that's causing the blood to pour out, which is him being whipped and cut and all that other stuff, Peter says that's what heals us. We separate those two things, put the healing in one category that's really difficult. God's got to have his plan. It's got to be a will. It's got to be the right moment. He's got to be in the right mood. You've got to have the right faith, quote the right scriptures, pray the right amount of time, all this other stuff. But the blood can forgive us instantaneously. We don't struggle with that. We actually pull the two apart, the blood pouring out because of the stripes, and we say the blood forgives us, no problem. The stripes can heal us. Ah, we got a problem. We separate the two. Somewhere we've got to say, but your word, Lord, says that this is who you are. It's not what you do. It is who you are. So is it a miracle for you to take the rock off the frog? No. Is it a miracle for the frog? Yes. Is it a miracle for God to do stuff for us? No. It is for us, but it's not for God. It's just who he is. And rather than come up with all of the criteria of to why he can't or won't, and we do this, we put it in our minds, we put our spirit, we've been conditioned. We've been conditioned by the church world. And the biggest one that drives me crazy is the whole God's will thing. It is God's will to heal all the time, 100%. And you cannot come up with any scriptural reasons why it's not. You can come up with a lot of personal reasons, but you can't come up with scriptural reasons. It's who he is. It's his nature. It's not what he does. It's his nature. If you can come up with a reason why it's not God's will to heal, then you have to come up with the exact same reason that it's not his will to save because they're the same thing. You've got to, can you come up with a reason? Well, this is why Jesus doesn't want to save this person. It doesn't exist. Peter also tells us, the Lord's not willing for anybody to perish. 
So in that, we've got to somehow get the, the, the transition in our mind and, and mostly into our spirit. Because I really believe that most of us in here would say, yes, I believe that God does heal into his will, and that's in our brains. But then it doesn't always get into our spirit. It doesn't always get down into our spirit to where there's that expectation, that, that there's that, that confident knowledge, this is who he is. This is the Lord I serve. This is God. And that's who he is. That's what he does. So Mark chapter 5, we're going to break this down into sections a little bit. In Mark chapter 5, verse 21, Jesus got into the boat again, and he went back to the other side of the, the lake where a large crowd had gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, the Jewish synagogue, the we don't like Jesus group. You understand, Jesus was the enemy to this group of people. A leader of the local synagogue who says that he, these are some of the things that he said about him. He's a liar, he's crazy, He's just trying to uh, manipulate people and rile people up. He's possessed by Satan. That's how he does miracles. All these different things. But what they could not accept is the fact that he was fulfilling the prophecy that had been written about him, well, all through the Old Testament, but specifically in Isaiah 53, about 600 years before this. They could not imagine that he could actually be who he said he is. So literally, to the Jewish people, he's... The, he's the enemy. In fact, this is what it was such a big deal in John 3 when Nicodemus comes to Jesus and said he came, he came to Jesus at nighttime. The reason he comes to him in the middle of the night is because Jesus is the enemy. He will be persecuted. Nicodemus will be persecuted because he has a desire to uh, come to Jesus, know Jesus, or any of these kind of things. He's going to be attacked for this. And so Nicodemus hides in the middle of the night and asking the question, all this kind of stuff. Same with this uh, leader, this synagogue leader. Jesus is the enemy. He's the bad guy. He's possessed by Satan. There's no way that he is he's who he says he is. But the leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Why would the, why would the enemy fall at Jesus' feet? And he pleaded fervently with him, My little daughter is dying. That's why. All of, all of your theology, all of your ideas, and everything fly out the window when you really have an issue. Is my little daughter is dying. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so that she can live. Now, I've seen this in a small sense. I've seen this many times over the years where I've seen it with me. I've seen it with other people or whatever, but where somebody will get upset. Somebody in the church gets upset, and, Pastor, we hate you. You're a hypocrite. You're, you're a liar. You're possessed by Satan. I mean, whatever. Okay, I've, I've had it all said over the years. And they leave the church and scream and yell and I hate you. And they leave the church and tell a bunch of people how horrible I am. And then five, six, seven years later, they find out they have cancer. And I, and I, I can tell you dozens of dozens of times when this has happened. All of a sudden, I get a phone call. Pastor, will you pray? Now, I want to say, why would you? I'm, I'm possessed by Satan. Why would you have me pray? I'm a hypocrite. I'm evil. Why would you have me pray? But see, when Jairus comes to Jesus, they've been, they've been attacking Jesus. They've been saying things about him. Eventually, they're going to kill him. That's the end of this game. They've been attacking him in every single way, saying he's possessed by Satan and everything. But when Jairus comes to Jesus, Jesus doesn't let all that stuff get involved. That's just people being people, and people are jerks sometimes. People are self-focused and idiots sometimes. But at the end of the day, when, when somebody has a, a need, they find somebody that they know believes that God can heal, believes that God is supernatural, believes that stuff. 
I don't pick on people for that. In fact, years ago, and I'm saying like 25 years ago, when I was a youth pastor, I used to get irritated with people. They wouldn't come to church, wouldn't come to church, all that kind of stuff. And then, they, then the doctor tells them something horrible. You know, they got cancer. And all of a sudden, they're sitting in church. They're going bankrupt. All of a sudden, they're sitting in church. And, man, I used to get real critical of that. Oh, now you want to come to church. Now, and I had a pastor one time. My pastor, I was his youth pastor. He told me, he said, where would you like them to go? I'm like, let's not bring reality to this. I'm being bitter. But, but he's right. What, doesn't it make sense? They, they're coming to the right place. It doesn't matter. That day previous, it doesn't matter. If they're saying, this is what I need the Lord to do, then that's where we go to. This is where we are. Do you need a miracle? Do you need something supernatural? Let's go to there. At least they know the place to go to find what they need to, to, to have in their life. And this is what Jairus is doing. Jairus' daughter is dying. All the other stuff before has been rhetoric. It's been social and cultural understanding. It's been their theological slash social understanding. And we were supposed to pick on Jesus, pick on Jesus, pick on Jesus. And then all of a sudden, his daughter is dying and, and everything changes. Because why? Because now I need real, I need power, I need truth. And this Jesus guy is the one who's bringing that. Guys, that's where all of us are at different times in our life, is I need God to be supernatural. I need Jesus to be supernatural. Not just the, the, the originator of the thing that I call Christianity, not just the guy that we sing about on the screens, but no, when my life is, is in the crossroads between I need a miracle or I'm not going to make it, then now we need the true Jesus. We need a supernatural God that does supernatural things, not just a good church guy, not just a good um, live better lifestyle mentality. We need a God that's supernatural. This is where it comes to. The first part of this is the fact that the position in life or church has nothing to do with the supernatural. That your position in life literally has nothing to do with what God is going to do. Good or bad, by the way. And depending on where you are, there's always both of these. That sometimes people think, well, I, I, God won't do this for me because, well, take the example I gave earlier. And I've had this conversation with many people. Is, well, I haven't been to church in five years. God won't do anything for me. Let, let's not worry about what's happened before this moment. See, this, this is the trick that Satan tries to play on us, is we think that G, the reason Jesus is doing stuff for us is because of something that we bring to the table. That I bring um, good personality or, or, or uh, money or uh, obedience or whatever, and so that's why the Lord does things for me. We know that God honors things like obedience. We know that God honors things that, that when we're faithful to him and those kind of things. But, but first, he doesn't do that with salvation, and he doesn't do that with the supernatural. He's not, he's, he doesn't have a, uh, uh, like a list up there that says, okay, you've earned uh, 47 um, supernatural bucks, and so you can trade those in for a healing, but at 47 is only a small healing. You've got to have 250 supernatural bucks to get a big healing. God's not doing that kind of stuff. When Jairus comes to Jesus, he doesn't ask him what he's doing. He doesn't ask him where his heart is. He doesn't ask him how he thinks about him. See, Jesus could have said, Jairus, you know, um, I need you to say in front of all of these people here, I'm the man. Come on, Jesus. Uh, come on, Jairus, say it. Say it. Okay, you're the man. All right, I'll heal your daughter. He doesn't do that. Nothing, nothing about us is why Jesus does stuff. 
no matter how special or how not special we are. Jesus doesn't do stuff for us because of those reasons. Why does Jesus do stuff for us? Because he's God and he loves us. That's it. That's it. That's it. He dies on the cross, not because we were already pretty good, but because he loves us. He's God and he loves us, and so he dies on the cross for us. And that's it. It's not something that we bring to the table. When it comes to God doing supernatural things, I, I talk to people about this in, in uh, finances. You know, I, I need God to do a big miracle in my life financially. Now, I always ask them, are you tithing? No. Okay, then start today. Start tithing. Now, you say, well, I haven't tithed for the last 10 years, so is God going to do this? Get your heart, your mind, your spirit right with him right now. Start tithing right now. Don't worry about the last 10 years. Don't worry about that. I've even had people ask me, so should I pay all that back? I, just worry about today forward. If God tells you to do something like that, do it. But I don't think that's how God thinks. Just start from now. When you're getting saved, when do you start from? Right now. Jesus, forgive everything I've done, and I'm going to serve you now. Same thing with the supernatural. God, I have a need right now. Regardless of what's happened before, I have a need right now. Your position, your place in life, church, or whatever, has nothing to do with what God's going to do in your life. Nothing. Let's continue on. Jesus went with him, Jairus. And all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. This is, this is one of those things, this is that whole is it God's will thing kind of thing that's going on. That, just, that, that subject drives me crazy. That's probably one of the biggest in, in Christianity that, 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 that just bothers me like crazy is when people start praying about healing and then they throw in, if it's your will. When God has said over and over that it is his will. I was thinking about this. I don't normally, when I put messages together, I don't normally think about a person or something like that. Like if, I, if I'm thinking about, okay, um, God hates bald people. I don't think about Dan. Like it's not like I'm putting the message together. Dan has no hair. God, Dan. I don't do that with messages. It's not how I'm wired. I don't process that way. But with this message, and, I, and this has been circling around in my spirit for a, quite a few months, I have specifically been thinking about two people in our church. I've been thinking about Keith King and I've been thinking about Harry Torres, that they both need big supernatural healings in their life. They need it. They, they have to have this. And it's interesting to me how we immediately start coming up with reasons why maybe that's not the case. Or these are big things. I mean, Harry had a struggle. That's a big one. God, do you, can you do that? I mean, we think like that. We process like that. I, I went to Texas a few weeks ago to see my son and, and my new grandbaby. And... Um, <clears throat> I, I was going to be prayed for. I, it was right before I had the surgery. It was literally a couple days before I had the surgery, and I want to be prayed for. And so on Sunday morning, this is a fairly large church, maybe six, 700 people, and they had like three or four prayer partners down along the front, and people were standing in line, and, and literally I waited for like 20 minutes, and I finally left. This, that has nothing to do with what I'm saying. This is the reason I'm saying that. It's sometimes 
We wonder, I want our prayer partners, every one of our prayer partners, all across the front, all along the back, in the aisles, out in the parking lot, in the foyer, standing in the bathroom in case that's where that you are when you need prayer. I want our prayer partners everywhere. Why? I don't, if we've got one person that needs prayer, we need at least 30 prayer partners. Because what if we have two? Or what if we have 31? I literally stood there for 20 minutes, didn't get prayed for. Because they had hundreds of people, a couple of prayer partners. Now, let me go to the next subject. So I came back Wednesday night. I didn't know they were having a prayer meeting that night. They had a prayer partners, and I got prayed for Wednesday night. So most people wouldn't do that, though. I was visiting my son. I was going to go to church either way. But uh, so I go down to get prayed for, and this guy's praying for him. He's really praying, and, I, and, and you know, God heal him and do all this stuff. He's going to have to have the surgery. God, we ask you to... to to take care of this, he doesn't have to have the surgery, or, or guy, the doctor, he's praying all these things, and I was pretty pumped up by this, and then there was another guy standing there, and then the other guy started praying, as I started to leave, the other guy started praying, and, and I, I wish I would have just left, <laughs> don't laugh, because the other guy says, um, starts praying, and he starts praying, now God, we know you gave him this injury for a specific reason. And Lord, you're, you're wanting to help him right now. You're wanting to teach him some things. And I, it's, it's very rude to be, go, <laughs> so I didn't. But that's not what Scripture says. I mean, the guy wasn't a, a bad guy. But I thought, I don't know where he's getting his theology. But this is goofy. This is not good. And somewhere we got to get down into our spirit. The Lord wants to do this. And he wants to do this right now. He wants to heal. God doesn't give people sickness. He doesn't do things to people like that. we got to get that. And I know many people in church believe that stuff. God gave me cancer to teach me something. If sickness originally came from the fall and from sin, which is where it came from, there was no sickness before Adam and Eve, then how is God giving you cancer? That comes from sickness, disease, the fall. It's sin originated. That's where all disease and sickness comes from. So, so how's God giving you something that, that originates in the belly of Satan? How does he do that? He's not going to. Some of our thinking about healing has to be done away with, and some of it has to do with the, specifically the idea of God's will. Now look at this. The, the second part of this is the fact that Jesus goes to the need. First, Jairus comes up to him and says, my daughter. So he starts heading to his daughter. Did Jesus wake up that morning saying, okay, here's my plan today. Here's my agenda. One is I'm going to heal Jairus' daughter. Was that on his agenda that day? No. Jairus comes to him. He goes to the need. He didn't have a plan. He didn't have a will orchestrated that was going to heal Jairus' daughter. He's walking along. Jairus says, my daughter's sick. And Jesus says, I can do something about that. Then, while he's heading for Jairus' daughter, the, 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 the woman reaches through, and by her faith, she grabs onto Jesus' robe because she knows if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Now, here's one that will throw a big kink in your mentality if you think that, that you've got to pray God's will. It is God's will to heal. It is God's will to heal everybody. It is God's will to heal all the time. It's his nature. It's not something he does. It's who he is. It's his nature. And so how would he get to the point where if his nature, since he is the healer, 
Jehovah, the healer, if it is who he is, why would he say no to some people? He's going against his nature. Now, here's the thing. She reaches in, grabs onto his robe. Jesus doesn't even know what's happening. He has no idea that she's pushing through the crowd, doesn't know it. Reaches up and grabs his robe, doesn't know it. The only thing that he knows is when the Holy Spirit heals through him at that particular moment. And he feels it, and then he begins to wonder what had happened. But he doesn't know it's happening. So how can it be his will or not his will in a cognitive sense? How can it be? She's already healed before he realizes what's happening. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is doing what he does and who he is and his nature. And he's flowing through Jesus. This is also a thing that will show you Jesus isn't doing this because he's God. I don't believe that Jesus does any miracles because he's God in human flesh. I believe he does miracles because he's human in human flesh anointed by the Holy Spirit. And that's why when he says you can do the same things I've done and greater things, it's because you can be anointed with the same Holy Spirit. Not because you can be God, but because you can be anointed by the same Holy Spirit. Do you realize Jesus doesn't even know it is happening until she's already healed? Did she pray God's will? No, it's his nature. It's who he is. And the Holy Spirit was just watching and waiting. She reaches up in faith, and the Holy Spirit heals her immediately. And Jesus says, whoa, what was that? Doesn't even know. We've got to let go of this, if it be your will. That is Satan whispering in your head that Jesus may not want to heal you. And that's not biblical. It's not legitimate. That comes from you. It doesn't come from the Bible. It doesn't come from the Bible. Jesus is the healer. It's his nature. It's what he does. It's who he is. <clears throat> so continuing on. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone from him. She didn't ask him. He didn't lay hands on her. None of that. He just realized something just happened. And she was healed. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? See, he didn't even know. His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing in. Crazy man. How can you ask who touched me? Isn't that what they're thinking? Hello. Look, you see how many people are squeezing in on you? And you're saying who touched you? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it because he knew he would recognize it. He would recognize the person when he saw him. He knew it. He knew the Holy Spirit was going to show him because this was a supernatural moment and God wants people to learn from these moments. God wants to get glory from this. God wants this to be a teaching moment, a faith moment, a learning moment for them and for us right now. So Jesus is looking around. Then the frightened woman, ter ter trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, because we, we, you probably know some of the history here. She can't touch a man. She can't t definitely touch a Jewish man. It would be a, 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 against the law saying she could be punished for this. Um, publicly, all these other kind of things. So uh, she's scared, and she fell at his feet and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Now, I came uh, years ago, I came from hyperfaith, uh, name it, claim it kind of movements. Uh, we were youth pastors in a church that was like that, very, very hyperfaith. And, uh, and I realized there was a lot of problems with that theology. 
And part of the reason wasn't because of the basic theology, it's because of how we practiced it and, and put it into play, and we got off base. The idea that Jesus wants to heal people, yes. The idea that somehow I have to have, quote my five scriptures in the right order and say this sentence and, and do this prayer this way and posture myself this way, that's the part that's human, and that's the part that gets off base. You can put all your formulas together, and that doesn't heal anybody. Nobody's any closer to being healed because you got all the stuff in the right order and because you started out your day quoting those 10 scriptures. Jesus is the healer because it's who he is. Now, does, does scripture build our faith? Sure. You should allow scripture to build your faith. You should work on those things. You should let God's word get into your heart because that's how you're strengthened by this. That's how your faith is strengthened. But here's the other thing that I came to. After a while, I rejected a bunch of that stuff. But here's what I came back to is scriptures like this still say it's by your faith. Now, we know examples in scripture where uh, no faith and somebody's healed, some faith, somebody's healed, lots of faith, somebody's healed, those kind of things. But we do know that Jesus specifically says here to this girl, it is by your faith that you're healed. So we've, we've got to build our faith. We've got to constantly be working on it. The best way to do that is get Scripture inside of you. Scripture is truth, not what you think. Scripture. Scripture is what we live by. It's our foundation. When, it, when, when he says he wants to, us to worship him in, in spirit and in truth, you understand that's not what you think. That's scriptural truth. That's biblical truth. We get that in our spirit. It grows within us. It builds up within us. This is why you'll hear me talk about it every now and then. You take a scripture and you get and you and you read it over and over and you get it in your mind, you get it in your spirit, and you and you not just memorize it, not just so that you can quote it. This is one of the things years ago I read this that um, Stalin, communist Stalin, Joseph Stalin, he could quote the entire Bible. So just having it in your head doesn't make you a good guy. Right? But when it gets into your spirit, and then it comes out of your spirit. Out of your spirit will flow rivers of living water. That's God. His word is living. It's active. It's truth. And that's how you do this. This is the first time that this uh, dawned on me. Lynn and I, this is years ago. Lynn and I were um, early 20s. We were youth pastors. We'd been going through a difficult time. And we'd gone to a district council. It was about an hour and a half from our home. And we'd gone to the services. And they sang this song at the service. And I haven't really heard many churches do this song. Um, since then, I don't think I've ever heard anybody do this song since then, but, but it was a cool song, and the, the song is, um, Rejoice for the steps of a righteous man, they are ordered by God. Okay, anybody ever heard that song? All right, that's cool, at least some of you. So um, we heard that song, and, and it got into my spirit. We were, we were talking about that, and we had, we had been through a difficult time. And so we get in the car, and we start singing. And we're singing, and pretty soon we're singing loud, and we're, we're praising God. And, and I didn't realize I'm tapping my foot on the gas pedal the whole time. I rejoice for this. You know. So policeman pulls us over. And I was going like 95 in a 55. And a policeman comes up, same normal thing. You know, sir, why are you an idiot? That's not what they say, but that's what they're thinking, right? And they say, why are you going, uh, what, is there an emergency, something I can help you with? You know, that kind of thing. And I told him, I said, you don't know, uh, this is going to sound silly, but I'll tell you why I was speeding. And he said, okay. And so I told him. And I told him the thing, whole thing, and I even kind of sang the song, Rejoice for this day. We were singing that song, and, we, you know, I got excited, and, you know, we've been through a difficult time, and, you know, God's doing it. And, and he just said, okay, and and." And he said something about, I've heard that song. 
But he did say, okay, uh, slow down, don't speed, and he didn't give me a ticket. 95 and a 55. He didn't give me a ticket. Man, we, we sped so fast in the way because we were tapping a foot on the gas pedal like you wouldn't believe after that. But it wasn't out of rebellion. It was out of the Spirit of the Lord. <laughs> this is the, the reality with this. Our faith really makes a big impact on what God's doing because when we go to him believing and expecting, it stirs his heart to do things for us. It, it, there, there's a, there's a, an excitement that he gets pumped with us about stuff. And, and when Jesus says this to this woman, it's because she's working her way through the crowd doing all this stuff. She didn't know how this was going to turn out, but she was desperate. She had no other options. I need Jesus. And when you reach out to Jesus in that kind of faith and expectation, man, he answers. When you reach out to him with, well, you know, Lord, if you want to do this today, I guess, but, you know, I'm going to give you plans. If you want to do this like next week, that'd be all right. Maybe six months. You know, Lord, just help me feel better. This this is one of the things I talk to our prayer partners about is I I don't want our prayer partners praying. If you come up to one of our prayer partners, I I do not want them praying for you. God, just help them feel better as they suffer through this illness. Why waste your time? You're already suffering through the illness. Why waste your time saying stuff like that? If it's the creator of the universe and he's the God over everything, why do we sell him short? Jesus, you made the heavens and the earth. You made every cell in the human body. You made the ground we're standing on, the air that we're breathing. You made the sun that gives us the warmth and the heat. You made everything about us. You you completely created us and divinely, supernaturally said that you would heal all diseases and that there is nothing that is too difficult for you. So, Lord, as I pray for this person, help them just have a good nap this afternoon. Why do we do that stuff? Why don't we say, and now heal them supernaturally? If we're talking to a top-shelf God, why don't we give him a top-shelf need? Why don't we go there supernaturally? Jesus said, your faith is what did this. So the key for this, the third thing is faith is the key. Faith is actually the key. It's the key to everything. Going to God alone, just asking him is is the first part of this. That's the, that's, to me, that's faith. Going to God and asking him is the first part of faith. But don't talk yourself out of it by the time you get there. Well, God may not want to, or I haven't been good enough, or, man, this is a big one. I heard this just this week. A guy was, there was a few guys praying. It wasn't my thing. I, I didn't feel like I could say anything about this. But, but they're praying, and, and um, this one guy gives this legitimate need. He has a need, and the guys are all going to pray for him. And then another guy gives a need, and his need's bigger. Know what I mean? We do this, right? And his need's bigger. So the first guy says, wow, that's way bigger than my need. Don't even worry about what I said. What? God can do everything for all of us at the exact same time. God doesn't have a a list of big or small. Every single one of us in here potentially have something that we need God to do. God can answer every single need in this room supernaturally right now, today, the exact same time. doesn't matter how big or small you think it is. God can do something supernatural. Let's just let him be God. Verse 35, while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. 
I love this one for a few different reasons. I, I wish I could have been standing there and watching Jairus as, um, so the, the woman reaches through the crowd and grabs onto Jesus' robe, and then Jesus stops. And I would love to have been watching Jairus the whole time. Because Jesus takes a little bit of time. First, he's looking through the crowd, and he says, hey, somebody, somebody um, touched me, and then the disciples are talking with him, and he's looking through and doing all this kind of stuff. Then he has this conversation, and I wonder what Jairus is doing the whole time. Okay, Jesus, that's, that's great, but my daughter... You know, we're headed, she's dying, we gotta, gotta go. See, see, here's the thing. Jesus can touch the woman, and he can touch Jairus' daughter. Because there's no limitations for him. But I've, I've actually done this before, where I am praying for people, and God supernaturally heals somebody, but, he, but I've got an affliction myself, and he's not healing me. One of my favorite people that's ever lived... There's a guy named Smith Wigglesworth, and he talks, and he's all these supernatural things. If you don't know who he is or if you've never read any of his biographies, you need to do that today. You need to go buy his books today and read them. He never wrote anything, but people wrote about him. The best one is his son-in-law that wrote about him. And he, would, and he would see people healed by the hundreds and hundreds at a time in crusades and crazy stuff, big stuff. And he would do crazy things. One in particular, this woman had a big... Um, uh, growth on her side, big cancer on the side of her body, and, and he walked up to her and started to lay hands on her, stopped, looked at her for a moment, and then just punched her in the stomach as hard as he could. And I'm reading that, I'm like, and then the tumor fell off onto the ground. Now you explain that to a doctor. No, see, here's what happened. That doesn't work that way. God did supernatural things, and then the, the book that his son-in-law wrote, and the others don't mention this, but the book his son-in-law wrote said that when he would get back, and his son-in-law was with him at these times, when he would get back to like the hotel or, or their boarding house or wherever they were staying that night, while he was taking his clothes off, he had horrible gallstones, and, and his clothes were soaked with blood. I don't get that. This is why we say, okay, God, you're the God of everything. I wonder if Jairus was getting mad at the woman with the issue of blood. And specifically when they whisper into his ear, she died. Well, if Jesus, if you would have just, forget that woman. Let's move on. I saw a guy this week, I've been, been paying attention to him for a few weeks, and, and uh, went online and was listening to some of his messages. This guy's a preacher, and, I, and I'm going to try to find how to get this guy to come to our church. Um, he, his name is Nick Vujicic or something like that. And, uh, he has no arms and legs and he's from Australia. And I don't know why that matters, but he has no arms and legs and he's a preacher and amazing testimony. And he talks about some of these things that he is praying. He gives examples of this where he's praying for people and they get healed. He was talking about this one lady. She got healed, and she straightened it. She had a bent-over back problem. She couldn't look up, and there was a lot of spiritual stuff and physical stuff going on, and they're praying, and then all of a sudden she straightened up and started walking around. She couldn't walk. She hadn't walked in years. Starts walking around the room, starts jumping up and down, all this stuff, and he's excited, and he's excited, and then all of a sudden he's like, and then he says, I was trying to pop some arms out because if God's healing her, why can't he heal me at the same time? And when he said that, I was, I mean, it was funny, and it was, but I was paying attention to the fact that he did not appear to have any bitterness in this. That he prays for people all the time and they get healed and he has no arms and legs. God's a big God and he can do anything at any moment. 
to anyone. We're the ones who put it into boxes and categories and can you, God, or will you, or do you want to, or is it God's will, or whatever the case is. And he will tell you. He said, I don't think it's God's will that I'm the way that I am. God's using it. He said, but I'm constantly praying for my healing because I would love to do things that arms and leg people do. So he prays, and then other people get healed. It's kind of weird. God's a big God. He can heal the woman with the issue of blood. He can heal Jairus' daughter. The fourth thing is the fact that Jesus is not limited in time. She had been praying for 12 years. This is why I say regular to you, no matter how often you've been praying, find another prayer partner. Come back up. Go to the same prayer partner. I don't want you to think it was because of them. Just a different one. Get a different one. No, that's not what I mean. Come back up and get prayed for. Why? Because God's God. God's the healer. God's the one in charge. We're just, we're just the ones needing it. But he's the healer. Let's let him be God. Continue on. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. Have you ever wondered why he tells everybody else to stay aside and he only takes Peter, James, and John? Have you ever wondered about that? Because I know very clearly why. When you get a bunch of people around you, it's amazing how many people can talk you out of what God's trying to do. This guy I mentioned in the Church Town, God, I know you gave him this thing in his arm. And I want to say, okay, so what you're saying is God ruptured my bicep tendon. Is that what you're telling me? Because he didn't have nothing else to do? It's weird how we come up with stuff. Jesus didn't want any of those people around. He didn't want all the people that don't think God can or don't think God's going to or doesn't believe that God even is, is maybe not totally God. He wants a few people that say, I know who God is. Let's do this. This is going to happen. It's going to happen today. And I'm not even sure, by the way, that Peter, James, and John are those guys, but Jesus did want them to see this happen. They were probably just, of the group, they were probably the best. And so he says, everybody else, don't know. Don't, don't crowd up what's going on with your thinking. Don't crowd up what's going on with your words. Let's just let Jesus be Jesus. Let's let him be God. Here's why I'm saying that. Is when you're, when you're, having, when you're praying for things going on in your world, um, find people that you know can pray. I was thinking about this in first service. After we were praying, Anna was up here at the front, and uh, she's praying for some things going on with her body. And I know Anna prays for this church all the time. I know she does. She's not negative about it. She's not wondering what God can't do. She's praying, expecting God to do. And so when I was praying for her, I also prayed, God, you anoint her. Anoint her prayer time. And, and here's my suggestion. <laughs> she doesn't know I'm going to say this, so we'll give you her phone number. If, uh, if you need prayer, you go to people like Anna. And you have a pray. You go to people like Jerry and Luann. I know those people pray. And you have them pray. Why? Because you want the right crowd around when it's praying time. You don't want somebody that doesn't even think God's real or think God hates them or something. Get people that know how to pray. And you get them to pray. And then we're going to see God do some things. So he takes just those guys in. He went inside and said, What's all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him. I love those ironic statements in Scripture because they know. They know so much better. But he made them all leave. 
And he took the girl's father and mother and the three disciples into the room where the girl was laying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was about 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus, and let me throw this in here. Who do you think Jairus believed in after this? The Jewish leaders or Jesus? Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anybody what had happened. Then he told them to give her something to eat. And we have it written down right now, so apparently they told lots of people. Number five, Jesus is not late or limited. Jesus is not late or limited, guys. He is not limited by what you've got going on. He's not limited by your need. He's not limited by the circumstances. He's not limited by how good or bad you are. He's not limited by anything except he wants us to have faith and just reach out. See, here's the thing is if Jairus wouldn't have come to him, Jairus' daughter wouldn't have got healed. That would have been the limitation. It's not Jesus. But if we don't come to him with stuff, he's not, he's not going to force it on us. He's not going to make things happen. He wants us to ask him. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to do these things. So here's what we're going to do. Why don't you stand with me? <clears throat> we're going we're gonna to do a few things. We're going to pray first. We're going to pray that Jesus would be in charge of our life. Again, I don't like to just assume everybody in the room that, that, that you belong to Jesus, you've accepted Jesus. I don't know where everybody is. I, I, I think you're all Christians, but Jesus knows. And so we're just going to give our heart to Jesus first. That's what we're going to do first. And then we're going to pray for, for needs, and we're going to expect Jesus to do some things. So bow your head with me. And everybody in the room, we're going to repeat this prayer together. And... Uh, and if you specifically are saying, Jesus, I really need you to heal me. I really need you to do this. I mean, uh, save my soul, be in charge of my life. Then that's, that's where we are. You're going to pray this prayer from your heart. I'm going to give you the opportunity, the prayer, and then you're going to pray, Jesus, I need you to be in charge of me. And that's where we're going to start with. So every one of us in the room, let's pray. Lord God, I need you as God over my life, my ruler, my Lord. I ask you to forgive me of anything I've ever done that's not pleasing to you, and I want to serve you with my whole life. In Jesus' name I pray. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for your blood, Jesus. Thank you for your blood that, that cleanses us and washes us and makes us clean. Thank you for that blood that we accept by faith that happened at the cross. Lord, thank you for your blood at that very moment as your blood is pouring out of your body on the cross that is providing for my reconciliation with God. Thank you for that. Lord, I accept that by faith. Lord, I also accept by faith that the, that the cuts that caused your blood to pour out, that those cuts are what heals me right now. And Lord, I accept that by faith. That on that cross, while you were being, being cut up before, as you're dragging the cross, as you're being beaten and whipped and everything else, that those cuts are what provides my healing and the blood pouring out of those cuts is what provides for my spiritual salvation. So Lord, help us to believe this morning. Help us to believe. In the name of Jesus, help us to believe. And Lord, I pray against anything that would try to put criteria to this, to put constraints to what you're trying to do. Lord, we know it's who you are. We know it's your will. It's, we know it's your desire. It's your nature. Lord, help us to see that, to know it. Embrace it in Jesus' name. The second part of this, 
is that we're going to pray for people to be healed. And other things. When I'm focusing on this, as I'm putting this together, I'm thinking healing. But, but God's a supernatural God. If you've got anything going on in your life, relational things, financial things, whatever, whatever you've got going on, you need God to do, that's what we're going to pray for. And we're going to do this a little differently this morning. Um, I, I, I've got some oil up here, and I'm going to pray for every single person that comes up. Normally, we, our prayer partners do that, and I kind of pray over But I, I want to do this. I want to pray for every single one of us. And so, if, that's, if that, that being the case, if you need to go, you're welcome to go. You don't have to sit here the whole time. It could take a while for us to do this. I understand this. But I do want some of you praying along with us. So here's what we're going to do. If you've got a need, I want you to come up and line across the front, spread out. We're going to make sure we get to everybody. That's, that's, we'll take as long as we need to. But if you've got a need, come up and line along the front. And then after we get who needs to be prayed for up here, then we're going to have some of you come up. And specifically, if you're one of our prayer partners, we want you up here. Um, if you would just like to come pray with people, we want you up here. And, um, and then we're going to take our time and we're going to pray for these things, okay? So, yeah, just line up and so people can get behind you. And uh, so face me so then people can stand behind you because they're going to have prayer partners praying for you, okay? <clears throat> and we're going to pray for some things. As we, as, as we do this, I also want you to think to yourself, but, uh, before we pray for each of these needs, I want to pray something specific for all of us. And this is basically this, that the Holy Spirit would get in our minds and hearts and convince us he can do this. Convince us it's who he is. And again, I'm not taking for granted that we all think this way. Guys, I know some of the stuff that I'm saying is kind of countercultural to some of the ways we think. But this is reality. We know what Jesus' word says. Let's just go there. Let's just go to what Jesus' word says. And, and you ask him, Lord, convince me. Convince me you are the healer. That I don't have to hope, I know. Convince me that you heal all diseases, not some, but all diseases. Convince me of that. That, that your stripes are what heals me. Convince me of that. And as we pray these things, that we expect God to do some supernatural stuff along the way. So let's, let's, um, let's pray uh, for, for all of us first, and then I'm going to be praying for different individuals. You're welcome to join us whatever you want to do, and you can take off if you need to. I understand that uh, also, so let's pray. God, I ask you for every one of us standing up here. Lord, you get in our spirit and our mind. Lord, I know there's desire from everybody up here. There's desire to be healed. There's a, there's a necessity that they have in their spirit. They need, they need a physical or, or a relational or financial touch or something. They need a supernatural thing. Lord, the desire is there, but Lord, let that go from just desire to expectation because you're God to expectation because you're supernatural, to expectation because you did all this stuff on the cross, to expectation because you love us, to expectation because it's who you are, it's your nature, it's who you are. In the name of Jesus. So build our faith. Build our faith. In the name of Jesus we pray. In Jesus' name.